North Korea is the impossible state. It's a place that stumped leaders and policymakers for more than three decades. It has a complex history, and it has become the United States' top national security priority. Each week on this show, we'll talk with the people who know the most about North Korea. All right, good evening to everyone in the Republic of Korea. Good morning to everyone in D.C. Good day to everyone else around the world. Welcome to the 39th installment of the CSIS Capital Cable. We are back for season three with gusto and perhaps, at least in my case, a little extra weight. I indulged over the holidays too much. I'm Mark Liberty, your host and moderator. And this week on the Capital Cable, our first of 2022, we start off with a bang, insights into the Korean presidential race and general disposition of Korean foreign policy. And with us, a very special guest, an old friend of the show, joined us for episode 20, I believe, Ambassador Wee Sung Lak. He's also a dear friend of mine. In fact, when I lectured to his class at Seoul National University while serving as ambassador, I brought with me a special letter. And this letter was from then Congressional Counselor Wee Sung Lak, I think it was dated 1999, to junior Senate staffer Mark Lippert inviting me on my very first trip to Korea. And indeed, this was a special experience and led to many fantastic interactions with the great people and culture of Korea. And I have Ambassador Wee to thank for that. So, let's go through his remarkable biography. Ambassador Wee is the Chairman of the Pragmatic Foreign Affairs Committee for the Presidential Campaign for the Democratic Party of Korea's presidential candidate, E. J. Myung. Previously, Ambassador Wee was a visiting professor at the Korea National Diplomatic Academy and a visiting scholar at the Asia Center of Seoul National University. And prior to that, 35-year career, over 35-year career, rather, in the Foreign Service, Ambassador Wee has assumed many posts directly related to North American affairs, North Korea nuclear issues. His assignments included Director General of North American Affairs Bureau, Deputy Chief of Mission at the Korean Embassy in DC, Chief Negotiator of the Six Party Talks and Special Representative for the Korean Peninsula Peace and Security Affairs Issues. I think that carries with it a title of Vice Foreign Minister, rank of Vice Foreign Minister, and most recently, Ambassador to Russia. Uh, and he studied international relations at Seoul National University to round out his academic credentials. And I would be remiss if I didn't say he was an extremely effective congressional counselor at the Korean embassy in Washington, apparently deep selecting U.S. ambassadors to the Republic of Korea. Welcome to the Capitol Cable, Ambassador Wee Sung Lak. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and honor. Thank you. All right, great to have you with us, and thanks again. All right, let's turn to our usual panelists. First, Dr. Sumi Terry, director of the Hyundai Motor Korea Foundation Center for Korean History and Public Policy at the Wilson Center, former CSIS senior fellow, former NSC, former CIA, and Columbia University. Welcome back, Dr. Terry. Thank you, nice to be back. Happy 2022 to everybody. 
and All good right. to see you, Ambassador Wee. Thank you for coming on to the show. All right, excellent. Last but certainly not least, Dr. Victor Cha, Vice Dean at Georgetown, former Bush NSC and holder of the Korea chair here at CSIS. He owns a place. Victor, in addition to eating too much uh, during the holidays, I was watching your Twitter rants against the New York Giants. So I, I don't think the season turned out too well, but uh, hope for next year, right, Victor? And welcome back to the show. Thanks. Yes, uh, they can only go up from the bottom. That's the only place they can go. It's a real pleasure. Season three, so exciting. Season three of the Capital Cable. And uh, I did not know that we have Ambassador Wee Sung Lak to thank for introducing Mark Lippert to his love of Korea. That's really, that is a huge contribution to U.S.-Korea relations. But it's a real pleasure to have Ambassador Wee on. We worked together quite closely when uh, I was at the White House and he was DCM at the embassy and sold the best DCM that, uh, that the Korean embassy ever had. So it's really a pleasure to have him with us. Thank you. I'm very much flattered. Um, thank you. It's good to see you, Victor, here and Sumi Terry here as well. All right. Excellent. And uh, let me just uh, also, before we get into it, uh, associate myself with uh, Victor's excellent remarks in terms of we just have one of the very best uh, diplomats, thinkers, practitioners, uh, and just all around uh, good good people here with us today and Ambassador Wee. So uh, thanks for that. All right. Ambassador Wee, uh, yes. we, we softened you up with some uh, pleasantries. Now let's get into the, the hard questions here. But uh, let's start with North Korea. And you're perfectly positioned, as your bi biography reveals. You are uh, an expert and a, a real North Korea hand. And the last few weeks have seen quite a bit of activity on the issue. We've seen missile launches, U.S. Treasury sanctions. I won't go into the, the full categorization of all the activity, but it, there's been a fair amount going on after a reasonable amount of, you would say, muted behavior from the North. So. Broad strokes, Ambassador Wee, your expertise, where are we on the North Korean issue? And what are the next steps the U.S. ROK alliance should take in regards to North Korea? Ambassador Wee, again, welcome, and the floor is yours. Thank you, Mark. Um, North Korea spoke very little about uh, the Republic of Korea or the United States in the report on its uh, party central committee plenary meeting held at the end of last year. It is quite a diversion from what they did before. That has triggered many speculative uh, expectations. Some people anticipated that uh, that's the signal of uh, uh, soft touch on South Korea and, and the United States. But the test of the ballistic missiles uh, in the early weeks of 2022 reconfirmed that uh, there was no change to its behavior. The old dialogue channels are uh, suspended, uh, uh, nothing is being um, happening, that that situation may continue. Having said that, the foremost step the Republic of Korea and the United States alliance needs to take is to reaffirm uh, its stance on deterrence. Uh, it would take uh, coordinated efforts to evaluate the new threats posed by North Korea and secure effective deterrence measures. Secondly, um, more efforts need to be made in preventing further provocation by North Korea and, and guiding it into talks and negotiations. In this process, both the Republic of Korea and the United States should keep their message clear and consistent 
so as not to make North Korea hold up excessive expectations and to make it return to negotiation to achieve realistic solutions through uh, give and take. Thirdly, in, in case talks are resumed, we need to prepare for a negotiation package designed to make progress on denuclearization. A candidate Lee Jae-myung laid out two basic principles to address the DPRK nuclear issue. First, he pointed out that as the nuclear issue encompasses a high level of uh, complexity, the approach we take to resolve this issue needs to involve a multitude of complex measures aptly combined to match up with it. Second, he has mentioned that in case of North Korea's breach of promises or wrongdoing, we need to clearly point it out and respond to it in a square manner. As such, he is apparently not on a pizza. With this basic concept in mind, he will take a holistic approach to address the issue. This would involve uh, talks and negotiations, sanctions and pressure, incentives and disincentives. Both the processes of building peace and denuclearization need to be implemented in a, a coordinated manner to reinforce one another. In addition, international coordination and inter-Korean talks should be conducted in a mutually complementary way. By international coordination, we refer to close coordination with the United States as well as the Korea-US-Japan uh, cooperation. Based on this, we should expand um, to seek further cooperation from China and from Russia. Ambassador, we, l let me just uh, follow up then. You laid out a very interesting framework for Governor Lee. You painted a bit a, a picture with North Korea that you would you could argue is muddled, right? You have inconsistent behavior and it's not clear where we're headed. So if you were back in one of your old jobs, uh, especially the old negotiator job, the vice foreign minister rank job, what would your recommendations be for some of the next steps in the next couple of months going forward? As I mentioned earlier, uh, the number one is to, to solidify our deterrent posture. Number two is to resume dialogue. Number three is to, to uh, devise a effective negotiation package. All these things would be done in coordination with the United States and the, uh, and the US, Japan, Korea trilateral consultation mechanisms. It's not easy to induce North Korea into the dialogue table, but we will continue based on um, this uh, solid deterrence posture. Got it. And I think that gives, brings me to the, the final uh, follow-up before I bring in Victor and Sue. And mm. it's you put your finger on it. We're at a bit of a stalemate in terms of negotiations, discussions. Not much is moving forward, right? And there's one set of arguments that says, we need to enhance deterrence and sharpen the choices, add sanctions, so on and so forth. There's the other extreme that says we need to start showing some incentives to bring the North back into the negotiating, I guess, posture, for lack of a better word. This brings me to the end of war declaration talks between Washington and Seoul. We've seen press reports that Washington and Seoul are close to, or at least making progress on, an end of war declaration proposal that they could, in fact, bring to the North Koreans. 
Two questions then. One, how does this fit in with what you laid down and what Governor Lee, his basic framework for approaching the North? And two, based on your experience, do you think this will work in terms of uh, bringing the North back to the table anytime soon? Well, I have been engaging in the North Korean nuclear issue for, for almost two decades. The history of negotiations on North Korea's nuclear issue reminds us of uh, the fact that the denuclearization process is closely related to the peace process of the Korean Peninsula. And that means there can be a meaningful progress on denuclearization when the denuclearization track is well complemented with the peace building track. The end of war declaration belongs to the peace building track. For that matter, it's worth trying. However, the denuclearization track and the peace building track can interrupt one another if deployed out of place. Thus, it takes a cautious and calibrated planning to carry the end of war declaration out. Also, it is important to address the additional issues that may follow. Accordingly, if the Republic of Korea and the United States can collaborate with each other in addressing these and other problems, the end of war declaration can work as a useful instrument in advancing both the denuclearization track and the peace building track. And also, this is a part of uh, the scheme uh, uh, Governor Lee has put forward in his complex approach. So, and I just mentioned that he will pursue peace track and denuclearization track in a mutually complementary way. Having said that, um, with North Korea's reaction so far and the Moon administration's term nearing close, it is uh, practically hard to expect that it would lead to any uh, substantial results such as uh, resumption of talks on the subject matter. All right, outstanding insights. Uh, tour de force to get us started here. I'm going to bring in Sue. Sue, lots to unpack here uh, from Ambassador Wee. Let's let Ambassador Wee take a little break. It's late in Korea. The question that I have for you is just twofold. One, your assessment on what's going on in North Korea, given all that we discussed, and two, steps going forward in terms of your recommendations and insights. Okay, so I think we should add the internal component too when we're looking at North Korea. Internally, economic hardship, food shortages, COVID paranoia, you know, health crisis, all of this continues in North Korea. Kim Jong-un himself stressed food crisis and the importance of solving farming and agricultural issues in, in this uh, plenum speech last month. As Ambassador Wee mentioned that his speech was almost all about internal issues. So I think that does factor in the fact that Kim remains paranoid about COVID, border remains closed. There is no end to a, this long tunnel uh, that, that we can see for North Korea right now. They're closed off from the outside world. They, they are still have not received any vaccines, uh, even though some 8 million vaccines have been allotted for them, uh, which should supposed to cover about 15% of the population. And we look at South Korea, it's like 94% uh, vaccination results. Anyway, so my point is, there's all this stuff going on internally. And then, you know, externally, we just saw, you know, North Korea is continuing to show they, they want to show, you know, their, their expand their capability. They are continuing to expand, upgrade, modernize their missile program. Uh, they're trying to evade existing missile systems. And we've said now we've seen three hypersonic tests. This is 
in addition to what we saw end of the last year, we they had a cruise missile test, a train-mounted ballistic missile test, submarine-launched ballistic missile test, and so on. So, you know, I think I'm kind of concerned that you know, in the next few months, we're not in a good space. I think the testing campaign will probably continue. Maybe they're not going to test intercontinental ballistic missile or anything big until the Beijing Olympics is done, maybe after the presidential election. But I'm concerned that we're not headed in, not only are we at an impasse with North Korea, but we're not headed in a good space in the coming months. And there are all these other test uh, systems they could still test right, passing 16 and so on at the end of the year. And in terms of what we can do about it, I, I agree with Ambassador Wee, you know, solidifying deterrence position, this holistic approach. I agree with that. It just, I just, I'm not sure if Kim Jong-un is even interested, you know, if whether any of this would work. And in terms of peace declaration, we talked about this many times in our show, um, regardless of the usefulness of, or, you know, the merits of, or, of peace declaration, I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, not in this climate, when, again, North Korea tested three hypersonic missiles, Treasury, you mentioned, just imposed new sanctions in addition to North Korea-related sanctions that imposed in last month. And then there's all this domestic consideration, not only in North Korea, but also in, within the Biden administration. How does he sell peace declaration in this climate? because the Republicans are going to accuse the Biden administration of being soft on North Korea. So all in all, I'm again, you know, I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I, I just don't see how we break out of this. And I don't think Kim Jong-un himself has shown that at this moment he's interested in either some watered down language uh, of peace declaration or any kind of, you know, interest in returning to dialogue at this moment. Okay, so I I would hope I hoped 2022 would have brought more optimism, but I think you've been reading too much of Victor's rants against the New York Giants on Twitter. So I think that puts you in a bad mood. No, excellent insights. And let let's let's kick it to Victor. Final question of this round, and then we're going to get to alliance issues. Back to Ambassador Wee. Victor, you know you've heard Ambassador Wee talk about the dual track uh, approach, his basic prongs, uh, what he would do going forward. The you know obviously the the Korean presidential race, the topic of the show, is right in the mix. Plus the internal machinations with North Korea. What do you make of all of this? And I guess the the follow up quickly is how do we forestall a potential escalation and entering into an escalation cycle right after the new Korean president takes office? Well, let me answer the last question first, which is I frankly, you know, given the way things are standing now, I frankly don't think we can. I mean, I think that North Korea will put a lot of pressure on the the new South Korean administration, whether it's Governor Lee or Prosecutor Yun. I think that's a track we're headed down now. Let me say that first, uh, in terms of the uh, laydown that Ambassador Wee gave, as he mentioned, two there is nobody in South Korea that understands the North Korean negotiation better than Ambassador Wee. I mean, he's been around this block many times, you know, and he is among the most, if not the most experienced practitioner in Korea in terms of these negotiations with North Korea. So I take everything he says with a great deal of uh, seriousness and gravity, and I think it's it's very well thought out. I think there are a couple of things that I would like to just flag and and, and he can address them or or not as he chooses. One is when we think about what's available to us in terms of tools, 
uh, to try to divert us from this track that we might be headed down after the election is the whole question of humanitarian assistance. As Sue said, you know, North Korea is now entering the third year of its border lockdown because of COVID. And uh, Kim Jong-un is not like other leaders, but one way he is like other leaders is I am sure he wakes up every morning wondering when this pandemic is going to end and how to prevent an outbreak in his country. So, you know, to what extent is that on the table, whether it's from South Korea, the U.S., the U.S. and South Korea in cooperation with COVAX, you know, what is the thinking on that? And I think in particular with regard to mRNA vaccines, right, because as Sue said, uh, North Korea has rejected the other forms of vaccine, and it's reported that they tried to hack Pfizer. So, you know, they're clearly interested in, in one type of vaccine. The second thing is, and this kind of, I think, relates to the next topic you want to move into, Mark, is the view on exercising. You know, we know that President Trump promised to stop exercising uh, as a favor to Kim Jong-un after the Singapore summit. Uh, we also know that exercising is important for that deterrence piece that Ambassador we talked about. But it also creates responses from North Korea. So what to do on that? And third, I just want to uh, footstop the point on trilateralism. I think it's with the uh, rock, the U.S. and Japan. I think that's a very important component that has, I think, been missing in terms of our North Korea policy. Finally, I have a question for Mark. And if we don't have time, you don't have to address it. I think with regard to all these recent tests that Sue mentioned, like the and my question is the degree to which the you know hypersonics and you know, maneuverability of, of uh, reentry vehicles, how much of a challenge does that pose to our, our missile defense systems in, in, uh, in the region? Because my sense is that, you know, we have these missile defense systems, but like, I, and I could be wrong, I don't see us like putting a great effort into augmenting these systems. They're designed to deal with a handful of primitive North Korean ballistic missiles, but what if they really start to tech up in terms of their capabilities? All right, I'm gonna, I'll take that at the end, Victor, right before I get into my Doosan rant. But uh, anyway, the uh, Ambassador Wee, back to you. Any, If you wanna to respond to any of Victor's interesting comments and questions he posed, otherwise I'll just uh, also lead off quickly into round two, which Victor uh, foreshadowed, US ROK alliance equities. Uh, he mentioned the exercises. Just in terms of broad strokes, you've also been around the alliance. Uh, in addition to your North, North Korean expertise, you have great alliance management expertise. What is working right now in the alliance? Where do we need improvement? And where are we headed? Just big picture. So uh, Ambassador Lee, I throw, I've thrown a lot at you. Uh, pick and choose what you want to respond to, and then we'll, we'll, and we'll move steadily through round two. Let me briefly comment on a um, couple of issues uh, Victor mentioned. Um, uh, number one, um, humanitarian and um, assistance. I believe uh, humanitarian assistance, um, medical assistance, uh, medical aid are the uh, good part of our uh, uh, packages uh, to offer to North Korea when we uh, are in the office. And plus, uh, we can consider some protocol type of uh, uh, actions, not substantial, but protocol type of actions which can satisfy uh, North Korea's chronic recognition deficit um, syndrome. And um, also coming back to the trilateralism, we believe uh, this mechanism, a coordination mechanism, is the base of our uh, policy making and the policy execution. Despite um, uh, worsened bilateral 
relationship between Seoul and Tokyo. Trilateral coordination over uh, nuclear issue is still working, still all right. So we will expand and um, develop uh, this mechanism going forward. And now let me turn to uh, ROG-US alliance. And in that, I can cover other remaining um, points Victor made. Now, we do not see any major problems detected in the ROC-US relationship so far. However, we are under the impression that it is not reaching its full potential. It will be left for the next administration to unlock such potential and utilize it uh, to its fullest. Mr. Lee Jae-myung is deeply aware of the significance and the importance of the alliance between the Republic of Korea and the United States more than anyone else. Uh, Candidate Lee is of the view that the ROC-US alliance needs to extend beyond the security alliance into a more comprehensive partnership to enhance collaboration in many other areas like pandemic, economic security, and new type of technology and uh, climate change. In this context, the joint statement announced at the Korea-US summit held in May last year adequately sets out the direction for the ROC-US alliance. Uh, That would be a good starting point to follow through what has been agreed on in this statement. And here, uh, let me touch upon the the China issue a little bit. For the Republic of Korea, the strategic competition between the United States and China is equally urgent and critical as North Korea's nuclear uh, issue. Uh, To draw an analogy, if we consider comparing North Korea's nuclear issue to a chronic uh, disease, having to navigate through the conflict between the United States and China is like walking on the edge of a cliff where one misstep could result in a serious harm. In retrospect, the South Korean government has been handling matters between the United States and China uh, issue by issue. As a result, uh, both the United States and China ended up holding high expectations and began to find what Korea does for them, somewhat dissatisfactory. This approach has recently become more questionable in terms of its sustainability amid the intensifying gravity from the United States as well as from China. Going forward, the Republic of Korea has to set its own policy direction based on its identity and value. In reality, the direction has to be securely based on allied relationship with the United States who shares value while advancing the partnership with uh, neighboring China. This way, the Republic of Korean policies will be able to obtain consistency, integrity, and predictability. All right, outstanding. Lots to unpack here. Another tour de force that is leaving us, uh, I think, gasping for air. Um, so let's let, let me start on the China piece, Ambassador We One follow-up to you. You, I think, rightly outline a policy by which you're trying to get the Korean government decision-making out of tactical ad hoc decisions and into more of a, a comprehensive framework to navigate through most of these issues. 
obviously where the framework gets very tough are these, I guess you'd sort of say these these uh, almost zero sum issues, right? Or issues that uh, really force, at least in the perception of Washington and Beijing, the Koreans to choose, right? And I, I would list a couple of them, Quad, the Indo-Pacific strategy, supply chain, and democracy and values issues, which you hear frequently from Washington saying, where, are, where is Seoul on these issues? How is Governor Lee's camp campaign thinking through that basket of issues, uh, these kind of very tough issues, and where are, what, what advice do you give on should things like, should Korea join the Quad? Should the Koreans become a more fulsome partner in the Indo-Pacific strategy? Ambassador Wee, back to you. Mr. Lee Jae-myung sees uh, potential opportunities for cooperation with Quad. He once mentioned that um, we can find more area of uh, cooperation with Quad. And he said, uh, uh, Korea can do, even uh, India can do with Quad. So I think um, uh, he, he would like to see uh, seek ways to collaborate with Quad going forward. And same thing uh, can be applied to his Indo-Pacific approach. He can find a more common ground based on our value, based on our alliance relationship. As to the supply chains, securing the uh, resilient uh, global supply chains is critical to South Korea's economy, uh, given its economic structure heavily dependent on overseas markets. Uh, Biden administration's four principles laid out uh, to reinforce the resilience of global supply chains which are to maintain transparency, diversity, security, and sustainability are in line with Korea's interest. And given the principles and interests shared by South Korea and the United States, there is great room for cooperation between the two countries. Korea shares value with the United States in terms of democracy, uh, free and open seas, rules-based international order. So I, I, I expect a lot of common ground and room for co cooperation uh, is open. All right. Thanks, Ambassador Lee. Uh, Victor, let's come to you first. Comments on Ambassador Lee's uh, really excellent intervention and uh, response to the follow-up questions. Yeah, I, I agree. There were excellent responses to to these questions, and they're not easy issues, right? These are these are very difficult issues. I entirely agree with his diagnosis that what we've seen thus far in Korea's space between the U.S. and China has been, as you paraphrase, Mark, an issue by issue tactical response, and and he lay, he has laid out sort of a bigger strategic framework, which I think is absolutely the right place to start because the, the immediate problem for South Korea is always North Korea, but the long-term strategic problem very clearly is, is, is China. You know, not just problem, it's also an opportunity, but it's, it, it's China. And so I think that is laying out that broader strategic framework as a starting point is critical, and it's, it's good to see that the Lee camp is doing that. On um, the, the sort of issues that you raised, Mark, specifically about coalitional diplomacy, quad, Indo-Pacific strategy, my sense, and I, I'm, this is my observation and could be completely wrong, and Ambassador Wee should correct me if I'm, but my sense is that, you know, they're looking to find some sort of formulation where Korea can run parallel to, but be connected with 
these different networking strategies in Asia, you know, whether it's on climate change or quad or some of these sorts of things. Some of them, they may be much more directly connected, but others, it may be sort of parallel, but also there are touch points where they connect. I mean, that eventually could, could correct me if I'm right or, or wrong on that. And then on supply chains, I would say that I liked what Ambassador Wee said. The problem with the supply chain issue in Korea is, is something in many ways that's beyond the control of foreign policy experts like Ambassador Wee, and that is the the gap between what the government may want and what the Korean companies, what the private sector does. In Japan, the government and the private sector are very close together, right? They work very closely together. The government says, do something, the private sector conglomerates find a way to do that. Korea is much more democratic, if you will, in terms of that, <laughs> where they don't necessarily uh, listen. But that is, that's beyond the control of foreign policy uh, expert like Ambassador Wee. All right, excellent, Victor. Good, good comebacks. So let's go to Sue. Sue, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's no relationship that is more important to South Korea than the one between the United States and China. I guess the main question I have for Ambassador Wee, we haven't brought up on this show, we, we talked about it before, is how shifting South Korea's public perception vis-a-vis -vis China affecting, you know, some of these alliance issues or possibly, you know, candidate Lee or, you know, foreign, in terms of foreign policy pledges. We talked about it in the past, how polls have shown Korean views of China has unfavorable view of China has increased with North Korea and Japan even being viewed more favorably or positively than China right now, which is surprising. I think public has a very favorable view of the United States. I, I saw a recent poll that showed, you know, 57% had very positive views. Uh, when 58% of people had labeled China as evil, which really, really struck me. That's pretty harsh. And only like 4% or, you know, I said China was good even. So this is very striking pose to me. Um, so, you know, this increasing anti-China sentiment, it's just remarkable. And I'm just wondering, it, it, does it have any kind of impact in terms of foreign policy decision making? You know, just because we always talked about Japan, South Korea's public opinion poll always focused on North Korea and Japan. And now, you know, perhaps South Korea is standing at this crossroad in terms of foreign policy with, with a change in public perception. So that's my question. Will the next administration, if if it's President Lee, how does this public opinion impact decision making? Would, it, would the Lee government then implement a harder line or a policy uh, to Beijing or continue with the strategic ambiguity and so on? In terms of these other points, I, I, I like what Ambassador Wee was saying and what South Korea can do. I think there's a number of things that South Korea can do, like deepening technology alliance with, you know, uh, and supply chains with like-minded countries, pursuing deeper engagement with Quad, because there's a lot of non-security related issues like global health and technologies and vaccine distribution that climate change and so on that South Korea can be part of. So I guess that's the question for Ambassador Wee in terms of the public perception on China. Uh, you are right, um, public perception on China has been deteriorating, particularly since we had a third furor. Retribution uh, in the wake of a uh, third issue from China affected public opinion in a negative fashion, particularly in the younger generation. The anti-Chinese sentiment is running very high. Talking about the statistics, public sentiment against China is higher than the public sentiment against Japan. 
Uh, that's the reality. Having said that, Republic of Korea, divided nation and uh, surrounded by uh, big powers, has to maintain friendly and uh, good relationship with neighboring states. And all these interactions and diplomacy should be based on the alliance relationship with the United States. And then also, uh, everything is political and politics, particularly in, in time of uh, election season. Public sentiment has to affect uh, the decision makers or policy makers' thinkings. So the important issue is how to take a delicate balance between the public opinion and the geostrategic uh, needs of Korea. All right, excellent, excellent response. All right. Uh, we've got about five minutes left. Ambassador, let me squeeze in two last subjects here. First, we've danced around it. Japan, you mentioned it in terms of trilateral cooperation. I am going to take a bit of an optimistic view here in terms of Seoul-Tokyo relations. We've seen um, some interesting developments over the past couple of months. First, we've seen Moon Jae-in reaffirm the 2015 Comfort Women Agreement, if I'm not mistaken. Second, uh, we've seen positive comments from the Blue House about the relationship uh, with Tokyo. Third, we saw the uh, dismissal of the court case for forced labor by the Seoul court. And finally, uh, we have Mr. Kishida as prime minister in Tokyo, someone who is intimately involved in the 2015 agreement. So all of this is a long way of asking, what are the prospects for improved relations between Seoul and Tokyo going forward, especially after the Korean election? and context as well. Lift and shift, completely uh, another question that touches on what we've talked about here, trade and economics. U.S. has rolled out its big Indo-Pacific economic framework, bit nebulous, but it, you know, it's, it's early. Uh, we've got CTPTP, I can never say it correctly, the follow-on to TPP. We've got a whole host of other trade machinations going on in and around Asia. And, the, and there are critics who say the U.S. just isn't involved as, as much as it should be. What should the U.S. and Korea be working on in terms of bigger economic and trade issues in the Pacific? All in about three minutes, Ambassador Wee. Let me go very quickly. Um, observing the current standing of uh, Seoul-Tokyo relations, I would say that in general, stalled um, situation continues. But um, slight signs of hope are detected on both sides, um, uh, as you put it adequately. In addition, most recently, we had very meaningful positive signals from Mr. Lee Jae-myung and Mr. Yoon Sung-ryeol, his, his opponent. Both expressed a firm intention to improve relations with Japan. Mr. Lee Jae-myung believes it is one of his top foreign policy priorities to restore the Seoul-Tokyo uh, relationship. He uh, has delivered his sincere message to the Japanese ambassador here in Seoul when he personally met with him at the end of last year. The message was he intends to improve uh, Korea-Japan relationship ardently. So he will move ahead when he takes office. Mr. Lee has comprehensive understanding about the significance and importance of the Iraq-Japan relationship and further Iraq-Japan-U.S. trilateral coordination. Coming to the uh, economic architecture issue briefly, the Republic of Korea and the United States pursue uh, openness, market principles, free flow of goods, services, and capital, fair competition, and transparency. 
I think Indo-Pacific Economic Framework and CPTPP is also aligned with this, and it can be part of the trade architecture that the Republic of Korea and the United States build up in coordination. I don't see um, uh, Indo-Pacific Economic Framework as a substitute for the CPTPP. We believe uh, China's joining the CPTPP may act as a trigger to promote the transformation of the economic system to be more in line with the market principles and international standard and norms. In order to alleviate the intensifying competition between the U.S. and China and achieve uh, prosperity for all, it would be worth considering for both countries to join the free trade architecture such as CPTPP. That was a tight, compact, comprehensive answer, and we are basically on time. And thank you, Ambassador Wee. So sadly, we're going to have to gavel this down. I really wanted to get to some questions about Russia. We're going to have to have you back, uh, maybe with Mike McFall or something like that, a really interesting look at Russia in the in the Far East and, and the relationship between Seoul and Moscow. It re- I'm fascinated on that. So, so apologies we didn't get to that area of your expertise, but thank you, Ambassador Wee, for an outstanding episode. We are grateful for your counsel, your insights, your wisdom, and your friendship, both personally and professionally. And so we, we are delighted to have you, and thanks for a great show. With, as always, Dr. Terry, Dr. Cha, fantastic. Good to see you on board for season three. We're rolling out of the station already and way down the tracks, thanks to Ambassador Wee. So with that, uh, I owe Victor a quick answer on missile defense, and I'll just say this. It's a complicated system. In military terms, always easier to play offense than defense, and the system itself is expensive. So if you're in a race, it's cheaper, faster, easier to build missiles and countermeasures than it is to missile defense. And the U.S. has a lot of defense priorities right now globally. So that's the trap you want to stay out of in terms of that. Do enough, but don't get into this interminable race where you're pouring uh, overly, let's put it, overly are forced to overcommit resources into missile defense system at the expense of other important defense needs put it that way. It's always a zero-sum game in the Pentagon uh, budget uh, world. That is my Pentagon Day's expertise. That is my contribution to this show. So we are gavel is down. Less than 80 days to the opening of KBO, by the way, and uh, looking forward to another great KBO season as well as season three on CSIS. Good luck, Ambassador Weef, with the rest of the campaign. Thanks again. See everybody in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark, Victor, Sumi, Terry. Thank you. If you have a question for one of our experts about the impossible state, email us at impossiblestate at csis.org. If you want to dive deeper into the issues surrounding North Korea, check out Beyond Parallel. That's our micro website that's dedicated to bringing a better understanding of the Korean peninsula. You can find it at beyondparallel.csis.org. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's so more listeners can find us. It's very helpful. We're now also streaming on Spotify, so you can find us there too, where you find all your music. How cool is that? And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Impossible State.